You are listening to the Ivy Podcast. Learn from the thought leaders in areas of strategy, innovation, negotiation, and all things leadership. We interview the Ivy League, Fortune 100, and top startups. Now, here's your host, John Karsibayev. All right. Um, my guest for this episode is Nargiza Mashuri. Uh, Nargiza has extensive background working with global companies in the area of business development, new market acquisition, as well as due diligence and economic barriers assessments. From industrial engineering to investment banking and product development, uh, siblings Nazim and Nargiza were no strangers to the corporate culture and the heavy travel schedules that come with it. Then they recognized one real problem from fellow executives and entrepreneurs who always have to be in different parts of the world. We noticed the lack of fashion apparels that those individuals can rely on during the long hour flights since they need to dress to impress, be comfortable, and reflect their inner self at the same time. Nazim then in partnership with his sister Nargiza assembled the mission to create first design house of Silicon Valley, Soul of Nomad, that would stay relevant and meet the demands of modern men and women. Nargiza has a bachelor's degree in industrial technology management and master of science in global technology development from Arizona State University. Welcome, Nargiza. It's been a minute, but we've I've been following your great progress all along and so happy to finally have you on the Ivy podcast. Thank you, John. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Great. Excellent. Um, so a little background for the listeners. Uh, Nargiza and I have met in Kazakhstan many years ago. I'd say somewhere around 2013, 2012, around there, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where you were the organizer of a really cool art event, where you were curating uh, some of the local, you know, top talent in art, which was really cool, by the way. And now we fast forward several years. Uh, you're now the co-founder of the very fast-rising clothing brand, uh, Soul of Nomad. I'd love for you to tell us uh, a story of how did you arrive at starting this company, and more specifically, if you can mention something within the lines of that transition from the corporate world into your own startup. I uh, would love to hear some, some background on that. Absolutely, with great pleasure. Uh, well, um, me and my brother uh, about three years ago uh, decided to establish um, a luxury uh, company called uh, Solo of Nomad. Um, but the basic, the need uh, behind this was both me and him come from uh, executive uh, background, and uh, my brother also comes from the investment banking field as well. And both of us, we were traveling extensively across CIS, Europe, and Southeast Asia. And while traveling, we'd meet high-level clients and executives. And even after long and short flights, we had to look sharp and remain focused which is not easy um, task after a red flight on its own. Uh, in the demanding world of business, you always require to look sharp as you walk to the, uh, into the boardroom. Um, and this fact is simply non-negotiable. Uh, and the idea of Soul of Nomad was actually was born 3,000 feet above the ground on the plane. Um, that's when we decided to establish a luxury fashion brand that would accommodate the needs of discerning men and women, let's say, with the global nomadic lifestyle. 
Um, because with the globalization, you know, today you're in LA, tomorrow you're in London, and then next thing you know, you're in Zurich, and you have to look sharp all the time. So um, basically, we wanted to create a brand that would cultivate uh, the daring nature of modern-day men and women who travel frequently, whose journey is defined by the bold life experiences and the journey within them within themselves. What I mean by the journey within yourselves, it's basically um, the philosophy of the brand that transcends beyond actual tangible fashion items. Uh, the philosophy is actually is much deeper. It's about the journey of self-made men and women who overcome all the hurdles um, of becoming successful or all the challenges to achieve their desired horizons. So the, the, we, we saw the need because uh, the passengers or the travelers or high-level executives would travel frequently and we needed to, we wanted to create the attire that would accommodate their lifestyle. So they would look sharp coming from the plane straight into the boardroom. So um, the transition from corporate uh, background into actually a startup life, for me personally, was um, a challenge uh, because before that I would work with the audiences uh, and you know you and I worked together in the past as well where we would we would teach leadership we would teach skills we would uh, share in the classroom with the audience about what leadership is all about but then I noticed that I'm lacking um, a certain experience in terms of actually taking uh, project from point A to point B, C, D, and further on. And that's what um, basically um, made me realize that uh, I also need uh, that experience uh, because you cannot take audience somewhere where you've never been yourself before. So this transition really helped me to experience um, the that that um, entrepreneurship mindset and actually the environment, the full immersion from the real uh, life uh, experience, so to speak. So I hope that kind of answered the question. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it definitely does. And I know you have extensive backgrounds in, you know, in corporate world. And that was very interesting to hear how you applied all of that background and experience and now actually you know utilizing that in your day-to-day -day activities as now the the owner of your own company so that's very yes, and, very interesting yes and it helps because uh, coming from the business uh, background um, you tend to uh, structure your company um, under a little bit different uh, angle because most of the fashion startups that we see they're established by um, creative individuals um, who are very, very talented, but um, in some cases they do lack that um, business perhaps experience where you need to streamline uh, the processes, where you need to understand uh, the meaning of lean operations. Uh, and we brought, so we basically approach it from a, a different um, angle, sort of Speak. Though uh, both uh, my brother has an extensive experience in, in designing Formula One racetracks and building high-end uh, resorts as a civil engineer, 
Um, so he definitely has the passion for industrial design and you can see how it transcends into the products that he designs together with our team with a great passion. Got it. That makes perfect sense. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so a little bit further, you started touching upon, you know, you and your brother going into this business. So can you talk a little bit more about some of the advantages or disadvantages of going into business with your sibling? <laughs> yes, and actually uh, very frequently asked question as a matter of fact. But um, let me highlight you like the positives. And um, there are many, many examples where siblings, even in a high fashion industry, uh, started um, um, successful brands together. Um, and uh, very successful run businesses as well. The essence of the success, I believe, is partnership. And that's what we have with my brother uh, since the childhood. So we always were kind of inseparable. Uh, we went to school almost together. Uh, and then we kind of migrated around the world following one another. We've always remained very close. I mean, we're only one and a half year apart, but we treat ourselves as the twins <laughs> um, because we really, really support each other. At um, and I think that partnership, that, um, that trust that we have uh, established over the years have helped us um, to establish uh, Solo Nomad. Of course, I, I joined a Solo Nomad a little bit later, but when I first uh, heard the ideas about Solo Nomad from Nazim, um, he got my 100% support on the business initiative. And then I started supporting him with the execution, with the strategy, with the vision. Um, and that's how I started getting more and more involved in the startup. Yes, uh, of course, uh, we, we have different personalities and um, there are some um, maybe professional um, clashes. They do happen, but these are productive clashes that where we speak our opinion and then we always come to a common denominator in terms of our decisions. Um, but we treat each other with the great respect and utmost support because we end this together. Uh, so we always have our back, <laughs> backs and we uh, support each other in that sense. We bring both, um, that's the element of any startup because each co-founder has to bring a unique set of skills uh, to the table. So we are, at the same time, we have the same vision, we, we see the same strategy, uh, but at the same time, we, we are, our personalities are completely different uh, and we sometimes approach problems and find solutions in a different way. Uh, and when there is a gap, we compensate each other in that way. So um, in that sense, I think that's also a very key element to the success of the startup, where each co-founder brings something different uh, to the table in terms of skill set and experience that you know, makes the puzzle complete in the sense. Yeah, that's very interesting um, because, 
you know, I've myself started multiple other companies and I had co-founders. I've never done any business with relatives or family or siblings or anything like this. But I can totally relate to you guys definitely having more advantages as far as being siblings and really understanding each other. Uh, how yeah. you operate and how you guys, you know, capitalize on each other's strengths and weaknesses and turn that into, you know, something productive for your company. I think you guys are, you know, a step above everybody else. Oh. <laughs> no, thank Going you so much. No. Yeah, we do have our own challenges, of course. Uh, we we all humans and we by far, none of us are perfect. But uh, any challenge or any problem that we have, we have a rule talk it out don't keep it inside yourself uh, don't you know go and hide away but you know be transparent as much as possible so um, you know I think we know each other now inside out <laughs> better than ourselves to the point sometimes <laughs> right, right right I can only imagine that's that's yeah. very you know very interesting um, so I know firsthand, you know, how hard it is to launch and grow a clothing company in particular. As you know, my wife, she was in the industry for a very long time, first as part of the very, you know, big company, the Robert Graham dress shirts, and then later as a co-founder of the women's dress shirt company, Sana Moda. Aside from the standard kind of using the best materials and ingredients in your product or targeting a very unique niche customer, what is at the core of your company and how are you guys setting yourself apart from the rest? The core of the company is uh, basically, I think, the most fundamental challenge right now that the new generation has a challenge relating itself, the, their new identity, the new, let's say, and the new uh, vision of how this world works with more a household traditional luxury brands. Um, so they need a luxury brand that is emerging, that is in line with their current philosophy and that relates to their inner emotions. So when I say that our philosophy is about the journey within themselves, is I think that's what's the, at the core of uh, our brand, the, the, the essence, it's about overcoming challenges. It's uh, about your own stamina, your, the strength uh, that you find within yourself to overcome this. Um, perhaps to many, it, it sounds a little bit more up, abstract, but when we were conducting focus groups, um, and we, when we were testing the perception and how the brand is actually uh, being perceived by the outside world, we were surprised because at first we were targeting high-tech uh, CEOs, COOs, co-founders, and executives. But then when we started testing our philosophy in other segments, uh, we were surprised because our philosophy became so universal that, that it spoke to different segments of people. For example, it spoke to housewives, it's because, uh, those who actually um, want to be successful, not as maybe executives, but they want to be successful uh, as mothers, as wives, you know, to really create that home 
ideal environment and they were completely in line with um, our philosophy. When we were doing a focus group with gay and lesbian community, that was absolutely fascinating because it's the soul of nomad and the journey with them themselves was the story about coming out uh, and actually um, accepting and going through that challenge that you know many people face today. So we were very surprised, and uh, we not only with tech founders the philosophy resonated. It also resonated with any entrepreneur or any person who actually sets a very demanding and ambitious goals for themselves. So we were very surprised by realizing how universal our philosophy is and how many groups in reality we are capturing with this message that we're sending outside to the world. And um, the first product we introduced uh, to the market was actually a signature jeans as an iconic piece and basically what we were doing is we were giving uh, its tribute to the region of Northern California where denim was originated during the gold rush period in the 1800s and um, jeans was a great element to start the brand and put it out there because Jeans has always been seen as a signature uniform trademark of Silicon Valley. Um, and basically, Soul of Nomad Collections tried to signify their part heritage by engineering this essential piece of global wardrobe. So, I mean, it's such a universal piece that everyone today owns at least three or four minimum pair of jeans. Uh, later on, uh, we expanded our luxury product line by introducing high-end um, travel leather luggage uh, and other fashion accessories um, just to meet the demands of modern nomadic spirit uh, and basically to support the philosophy of um, luxury, um, basically comfortable travel. So we are a luxury travel brand. So we wanted not to be only categorized as a denim brand. We wanted to really capture that whole lifestyle um, spirit um, of global travel. So I hope that kind of <laughs> answered the question. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I went no, a little no. off the tangent. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. You're, you're right on point, and it's just, mm -hmm. you know, very interesting. Interesting to hear how you guys arrived at the whole decision-making process to go that route, uh, mainly mm -hmm. because of some of the actual need that came out of while you guys were actually traveling and you saw that you saw that need, you saw that uh, opportunity, and that's you know that's very uh, refreshing to hear that. Um, with you guys kind of having a very global leadership team, sometimes I think you you travel back and forth between California and Kazakhstan and. Collaboration tools are great, but how do you how do you separate the duties effectively that allow you to target and cater to your clients between you and your brother and whoever else is on your leadership team of the company? Um, me as the COO, of course, I'm uh, responsible for the operation and everything has to and everything that has to do with the the backbone operations uh, of basically it's HR, legal, um, let's say uh, supply chain, 
um, and then uh, let's say uh, customer service, customer experience, because luxury brands, it's all about the experience today and we pay a great deal of attention that the the experience from the moment they log in into our site, you know, and all the way through the, the, the receiving of the order, it's flawless and, uh, you know, a pleasant experience of its own because um, the customer retention is achieved through the experience. Customer comes back to you not only for the quality of the product, but also for the experience to gain that repetitive experience all over and over again. And we pay great attention to that as well. Well, uh, my brother as a COO, he's more uh, focused on strategy, product development, and actually in long-term strategy and fundraising because we are a startup. We're in a serious A at the present moment. So he is more managing a strategic aspect of a startup. I'm more managing the operational um, aspect of the uh, of a startup so that's where you know different skills they come into place and that's how we in a sense complete each other yes we do have a team that is remote um, we do have we use many many uh, collaboration tools um, uh, which is which are at our disposal in the company um, but also the element of strong leadership uh, is very necessary to keep team motivated and communication, I think, is of the essence as well in this aspect. Um, we work around different time zones, so we often have <laughs> conference calls in the middle of the night, um, early in the mornings, so uh, the flexibility is also another key element to the success of the startup. So management, managing uh, international team of course it's it's not an easy task but um, if everyone is behind the idea and the right motivational tools are in place uh, you can make magic happen so something you've mentioned as part of your response in terms of the leadership style I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about that how would you how would you define your leadership style? Um, I'd love to hear some actual, you know, if possible, practical examples of that, and who or what has helped you shape that leadership style most. Uh, I think um, leadership. I mean, I don't think there is a clear definition up today in the world what leadership really is. I think it's a component of many different things that define your unique leadership style. Um, and definitely, me and my brother, we do have completely different leadership approaches and different approaches to management. Um, my brother has that element more of like an inspirational leadership approach. Uh, with, with the vision, uh, he is the igniter behind the brand. Uh, and he motivates uh, our our team by you know setting for us audacious, ambitious goals, you know, and with with the uh, with a great uh, ability to support along the way, um, which uh, I'm very very grateful for him because he also has significantly contributed to shaping my leadership abilities and capabilities because in his past life he was managing 
and he was the CEO of big corporations with more than three or five thousand people under his leadership. So yes, in many aspects, I do look up to him as a leader as well. In terms of my own leadership style, um, I cannot categorize uh, what kind of leader I am. All I know that um, there are three elements that are essential for me, which I use in my leadership approach. Uh, it's the direction, it's the alignment, and the commitment. I think these three elements are of great essence for any leader, is where you give your team a clear direction or where you must be or where you're headed so every everyone is on one page and they share a common vision. Alignment, that's where the challenge comes in, I think, in most of the companies um, because uh, it's basically calibrating the business processes. It's streamlining everything that you aligned uh, and your company is operating on the clock uh, without any hiccups. Of course, that's in the ideal world, but that's where you um, invest most of your time, energy, and resources at actually building that alignment between the teams. And when I mention alignment, it's not only business processes, but it's also different um, tools uh, to motivate team to perform. Uh, to outperform, uh, set the goals, uh, set the KPIs, uh, because you can't manage what you can't measure. And uh, after that, of course, the commitment is the natural result of that. That they're, they, they see the vision, they know what they need to do, they know what they need to do, and then there's, of course, the, the commitment uh, to the company, to the leaders, and to themselves. So basically, that's uh, how I would describe my own leadership style. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the elements of emotional EQ are of essence. You know, you cannot be just a bottom line leader uh, because, you know, we're, we're all humans and we all have different issues. And, uh, and the team, you know, it's every single person is own separate universe and you have to find a magic key <laughs> to every single employee <laughs> that you manage so basically uh, that's the strategy we and the thing is leadership for me is a constant learning process I cannot say that you know I, I'm an exemplary leader <laughs> but I try to be the best I can every day and the best than I was yesterday so it's constant discipline work on yourself mm -hmm. as a leader. Well, and setting everything by the example, I think, is also of a great essence. Yeah, in a nutshell, you you know you eat your own dog food uh, in first place. Just so that you set that example, you 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 walk the walk. And I like what you say in terms of constant improve, improvement and really recognizing that. You don't know everything, and you're not, you know, you're not perfect. And that the fact that you try to surround yourself with people better than you uh, speaks volumes. So that's very, very refreshing to hear. Yes, absolutely. And it's also the matter of understanding that, you know, you exactly to elaborate on that point. We don't know everything, but the people that we work 
with. They're such a great resource of information and knowledge sharing. So that element of knowledge sharing, I think, is um, so valuable in organizations. And that gives an opportunity for your team to understand that they're heard and, you know, their opinion matters and they can see it in action, you know, in implementation. So you need to really capitalize on, you know, the accumulation of the knowledge in the room. <laughs> so because you don't hold all the answers to the questions. So it's really believing and trusting your team. I think element of trust is so critical, especially uh, when you remote with when you work with the remote teams. Um, that element of trust is, I think, one of the key uh, success factors. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, as part of part of being a leader, part part of self education, that improvement aspect. I'm assuming you know you read a lot. You have a lot of reading material. You're constantly trying to get ahead. What are, the, what are the top two books that you always recommend to others, and why, why is that? Oh, well, uh, with understanding uh, the fact that there's 100 million startups, 150 million startups exist today, and, you know, with 50 million startups launching on annual basis, and 137,000 startups launching on daily basis. I mean, this is just crazy, crazy numbers. So, you know, the philosophy that I would apply is like survival of the fittest or a smooth sea will never make a good sailor. So, um, in that respect, uh, you know, there's so much pressure, there's so much demand uh, on us on, on, as the founders, as the leaders, as the entrepreneurs, or, you know, even, you know, business owners that you know, we, we constantly need to learn something new and we constantly need to improve ourselves. And the, the three books that I would recommend, of course, the first one, I think that would apply very strongly to startups because startup on its own, in the essence, demand great deal of discipline and commitment. And it requires you to almost rewire your brain into a different or the new set of habits versus then what you had when you were working in corporate world. So I would recommend The Atomic Habits but by James Clear. Uh, and it's basically uh, outlines, you know, how to adapt a good habit and how to get rid of the bad habits. And I think it applies not only to uh, startup owners or co-founders or business people, it applies to everyone, you know, if you're looking for really to discipline yourself or even looking for self-improvement. Um, also, the other book I think I would recommend is called The Lean Startup but by Eric Rice. I mean, it really outlines, um, if you're in uh, technological development, it's written by a software engineer. It's a good book, but, you know, the bootstrapping is the way of life in startups. <laughs> so at least for the first three, three years until, you know, you, you lock a, a good series uh, of funding uh, until you start scaling, um, 
you need to really, really implement those lean operational strategies. <laughs> and I think as a woman, I would recommend a third book. I know you asked for two, but if you allow me <laughs> to, um, to recommend a third book, that would be for women that work not only in startups, but also work in the corporate world. This book has become my Bible for the past five years, uh, and it helped me to overcome my certain fears or even insecurities as an executive uh, and even as a business owner. Uh, it's called <laughs> Nice Girls Don't Get Corner Office. So I highly recommend, um, I forgot the name of the author, but I highly recommend that um, to read for our women audience who are listening to us right now. I think this book is very fascinating and it really, really nails down to the issues that most of the high-level executives, especially females, are facing today and how to overcome those challenges. So I would recommend these three books, I think. Okay, that's perfect. Um, and don't worry about if you don't recall the, you know, who the author is. We'll look them up and we'll make the links available for the listeners in the notes of the of the episodes. So that's great. I definitely look forward to uh, checking those books out. Yes. Um, in um, in clothing industry uh, or apparel, I understand that you have to be on top or ahead of the latest trends. Um, how do you guys manage that process? Tell us more about what strategies do you have in place that really allows you to stay ahead? Well, oh, of course, uh, we monitor our competitors. Uh, we, we monitor what um, is happening uh, not only in the fashion world, but uh, basically to create a demand, your product needs to resolve a specific problem for your target audience. So. Uh, that's how the soul of Nomad actually started. We we addressed a problem that existed amongst uh, high frequently traveled executives uh, or anybody who actually has an act very active travel lifestyle. Um, but uh, the staying ahead of the trends, it depends how you approach this. Either you can be a trendsetter already and put the foot on the ground and you know. Be said the new fashion trends, or you know you can uh, observe what's happening not only in fashion but in architecture, in art, um, in business, or in politics. Uh, so it's it's a really in-depth uh, analytical work, um, and it's basically doing a lot of market predictions um, in terms of uh, what product, but. Our product selection um, or the product line is being strategically selected because we don't we do not want to um, overpopulate the market with our products because luxury companies work on the very high demand um, algorithm. So that's why all our collections are very limited. Uh, they're timeless pieces. They their quality is superior to none, um, and that's how we win the customers. So um, let's say maybe Solo Nomad would not be considered as, mm, you would say, the most um, 
trendiest, you know, what I mean by trendiest is the, the, the funky uh, streetwear design elements. But what we do is we cater uh, to our audience with the timeless pieces that are going to be so universal um, and they're going to be um, very wearable in uh, the wardrobe of our client who travels frequently. In, I think in time we will be expanding and doing very interesting collaborations with celebrities, with very famous creative directors, uh, and we're going to be launching those limited collections. Uh, and hopefully within our segment, we will become eventually a trendsetters in a way. <laughs> so that's how we approach this. Sometimes we don't really stress too much about the trends. <laughs> No, no, I, I love that. I love hearing that in the sense that you guys are creating your own trends and rather you letting competition study you than the other way around, which I think I find very unique and almost, you know, rare to find in a lot of startups who focus so much on competition rather than trying to figure out a way how to separate themselves from the pack. And it sounds yeah. like you guys doing a lot of that, which is, you know, definitely in my book, one of the main ingredients for success. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, indeed. That's how we were noticed by Vogue because uh, for a luxury startup coming out of Silicon Valley, I mean, we were like white sheep in a herd <laughs> or black sheep in a herd, let's say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in closing remarks, is there anything that you would like to share that we have not touched upon? Any advice perhaps or words of wisdom or a funny joke? <laughs> Funny joke. Oh my, maybe I, I'm not such a good joker, but um, um, basically, what uh, what I want to share with uh, people, um, you know, always keep in mind what's on the other side of the fear. You know, uh, on the other side of the fear is, you know, success, uh, the overcoming of your internal challenges. Uh, and there's nothing wrong of being scared of starting something new, uh, but don't let that fear stop you. It's a cultivated emotion in our brain. So <laughs> we all make it up on our own. So follow your dreams. Uh, listen to your heart. Uh, I think that's one of my main things that I started doing recently. Uh, yes, uh, analytics and numbers thereof utmost importance sometimes, but also follow your gut and your instincts um, because they will never let you down. <laughs> and I, I, I wish to many of your listeners, you know, much success in their endeavors and um, an achievement uh, of their horizons. Um, that's the that's the motto that I would like to leave <laughs> all, all, all of the people with <laughs> at the end of this podcast. So, yeah, fear behind and forward. No, absolutely, it's uh, you know definitely great uh, great advice, especially you know coming from you and um, just in, in general. I you know it's it's been a true pleasure, and I really appreciate you taking the time to to be on this podcast. I know how busy you guys are with the startup, and it's you know trying to move at the you know a thousand miles an hour and while trying to do a lot of things simultaneously so i can definitely relate 
I wish you best of luck with the solo nomad and I would love to do a follow-up episode in a couple of years or maybe sooner when you, guys, when you guys are that global fashion powerhouse and we all you know wait in line to get uh, that pair of jeans or the, the, the next carry-on luggage from you guys. So best of thank luck. You so thank much. you so much Nargiza and I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Ivy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our RSS feed on ivypodcast.com and all major podcasting platforms like Spotify and iTunes. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on iTunes.